BeastNet podcast, sponsored in part by James Safety Services, OCR Buddy, and supported by the fitness community. Here we discuss all things fitness-related, running, rucking, mental health and preparedness, and of course, obstacle course racing. Welcome to the BeastNet. We don't bite hard. Hey everybody, it's Pretty Mike here with BeastNet, and on today's episode I got with me Melissa Joyle. Uh, Melissa, remind everybody who you are. Um, I am a Beast Team member. That I'm also a Spartan ambassador and Tough Mudder ambassador, more Spartan, and I'm from Canada. I live in BC. Um, I am the person you see out there running in a tutu. Um, that's how people recognize me now is I'm always, I generally am in a tutu. I was part yeah. of the Beast Pro team in 2020, but then the world shut down, so that didn't really happen. I actually did fulfill all of my requirements in racing in 2020 despite the world not cooperating yeah well that's good it was yeah 2020 was a was a rough year (laughs) so when it came to racing for me it was one of those ones i lost all the weight and i mean i felt great but for racing it was yeah it was i still managed managed to get a few in and mostly hurricane heats because those were allowed in canada and that was it but yeah, I got a couple, but that was really it. I mean, it was just ones like right before it got shut down and then where there was little blips where they tried to come back and then, yeah. you know, where, you, yeah. So I was able to get a couple in there, but that, that was it. So it wasn't until 2021 until I really started getting them. But like I said, it actually worked out for me. And one thing I, I've explained to people before, what helped was I didn't have all the races in 2020, so I never got injured. That helps. It does. Yep. And that's been my biggest struggle with, you know, my fitness journey, I get injured. And then like most people, you know, you get depressed because of the injury. And then that compounds on the injury plus the depression, plus you're not eating right. You're not working out right. You're not doing everything you're supposed to. And then all of a sudden you get the weight back and then it becomes a vicious cycle. And that's That's one of those things I've been trying very hard to break. I have that pattern too, because I came into this uh, after breaking my back, hip and pelvis. So so I got into OCR because I wasn't able to run long distances. So my uh, loophole was I'll just run a little bit, do an obstacle, and then run a bit more. But maintaining that has been tricky through all of this too. My problem also, though, if I'm not active enough, my, I, I have fibromyalgia and I can get really slowed down. I get very sore if I don't exercise. So it's really hard to find a balance. And then again, maintaining exercise, weight, nutrition, everything. It's hard. And it is tough. It's one of the things I've talked to a lot of people about that a lot of people don't think about it. They're like, oh, well, when I work out, it hurts and I ache and, you know, my joints ache and everything else. I'm like, yeah, but if you work out more, if you balance it right, you know, the workout actually, (laughs) uh, you know, well, for those that aren't watching on video, she's being attacked by her puppy. Um, (laughs) But if you if you work out more it actually you know in a sense kind of almost lubricates your joints and makes it so they feel better and everything else and that's the hardest thing to get through to people they're like oh well it hurts it's like as long as you do it correctly i'm not saying go out there and like go insane but as long as you do it correctly and gradually you can actually it's better for your joints it'll make them start to feel better and that was the hardest thing for me because i have bad knees yeah and when i first started it was a lot of walking move my way up into jogging and then from there, I went into the, to the running. I didn't go straight out and run. I think if I did, my knees would have just blown out within the first like month. So yeah. it's just kind of, you know, that working up to it kind of thing. And that's it. You know, I work in rehabilitation. So a lot of my clients, it's getting them moving. I mean, I'm mostly working mental health and chronic pain management and 
especially important. In, and I got into that because of my own health stuff, but chronic pain management, the key is movement, even if it's just walking in the pool for 20 minutes because weight bearing is still too painful. That's where I was. I went from being able to walk, you know, across the street because of my hip to, yeah, doing well stuff as mutter. <laughs> so it's, yeah. you know, it's progression. It's taken 10 years. It's been 10 years since my injury. So it's taken time. You know, and I mean, that's one of the things you mentioned in the beginning. I mean, it was a very severe injury. You broke your back, your hip, you know, major, major injuries yeah. that a lot of people that would be the end of everything. Yeah. You know, I mean, when people have those kind of injuries, they're like, well, I'm done, I guess, you know, well, yeah, I'm, in, I, I'm in a life of no, no activity now. And it's like, not if you don't want to be. Exactly. It's finding the ways to rebuild. And that's the key. And that's why I do. My job is helping people rebuild and getting back because I've been through it. And mm -hmm. yeah, it's, I know it's not easy. I know that not everyone's going to get to the level I've gotten to. I, I'm still surprised at what I can do. I actually... Most of the time, still don't know how I managed to pull it off, but. Well, I think that's the hard part for a lot of people. The, the hardest thing to remember is after a major injury like that, getting back, there's never going to be getting back to where you were. It's getting back to a new normal. Yeah. You know, and that's what you got to figure out. Where is that new normal? Are you going to be able to do this? Like, like you, are you going to be able to go out and do world's toughest modern do, you know, what 45 miles i got 40 again it was 40. i physically could have done more it was my mental health that got me on it so yeah. so you got 40 miles i mean but 10 years ago if i would have told you hey you're gonna go out and do 40 miles on a tough mutter <laughs> would you believe in me no i would never even consider doing a tough mutter at that time too yeah. at the time of my injury i did mountain biking and that was it i was i mean i went to the gym but i was not I, I, and i ran a little but it was different yeah yeah and I mean, that's it. And I mean, then after the injury, I mean, things change. And I think, like I said, that's where a lot of people have issues is once they're injured, it's like, well, that part of my life is over. It's like, is it, or do you just have to find a new way to do it? Is yeah. it finding a new normal? You know, it's like talking to people before, like, you know, I was talking to someone not too long ago who did triathlons and had a major back injury that made it. So it was pretty much impossible to ride the bike for those distances. So they found a new, you know, they went into Spartan race and stuff like that, where it was something that they could do and still keep active just in a different way and that's you know, me and too yeah getting finding that oh spartan was my way of getting moving and walking running eventually building up training the main thing people need to remember too is it's not instant it's taken me 10 years to get that yeah and i've been competing in spartan at a high level since 2018 19 i guess 2019 is when i went competitive with it but that my injury was in 2013. So it's not like the next year I went and did a Spartan. It yeah. took me four years to do a sprint. And then, you know, I kept building up. It, it wasn't that I magically could just suddenly go. And that's where a lot of people drop too, is that they, after a year, oh, I'm not back to myself. I'm not back to these goals that I set. And you have to sometimes re-evaluate re your goals. It's not as simple as, well, I'm going to run a Spartan next year. Well, maybe you get six months and you're realizing, oh, my, I'm still in a bit more pain than I'd like to be. I'm still not as strong as I like to be. It's okay to try anyway, you know, try walking a sprint. You don't have to be able, that's where reevaluating, you know, you plan to run a sprint or a super 
say you plan to run a super, but how about try walking a sprint first, you know, see how you do with that. It's reevaluating the goals and what's realistic for where your health is. And that's where I am. And that's what happened to me in Wells Tempest Munner. I had some very solid concrete goals that I probably could have achieved, but I had to stop at one point and reevaluate where I was and how I was feeling and whether it was worth it to continue or just reset and try again. Yeah. And I think that's the hardest part for a lot of people, um, athletes and people in general, is to have one of those setbacks and then reevaluate. Like I said, that's been one of my biggest problems. I've had multiple injuries over my, you know, my running career. I first started running. A lot of people don't know this in 2010. Mm-hmm. And I was running. I did a half marathon. I felt a pop in my knee mm. and went, eh, it'll be fine. Finished the half marathon in Portland. Two weeks later, I went and did a half marathon in Seattle. Okay. About halfway through the marathon or the half marathon, I felt a distinct pop in my knee. And I'm like, oh, there's that problem from Portland. It's come back. And then all of a sudden, of course, because I wasn't that bright, I'm like, oh, well, I can just finish this half marathon. It'll be fine. I'll ice it. It'll be great. By the time I finished the half marathon, I could barely keep my knee from just giving out underneath me. And it's like, oh, okay. Now, because I didn't stop and reevaluate and say, Hey, there's a problem. I need to step back. I ended up doing major damage. Yeah. You know, that happened to, point... to me with my hip too. So did you yeah. need to have it repaired and all of that? I didn't have to have it repaired, but I did have to go through physical therapy. Um, and it put me back a couple of years actually, because it was, you know, six months before I could start doing anything again, you know, hard. And even then it wasn't hard. I could start walking fast and jogging. But it wasn't until, you know, almost a year before they're like, okay, you can start running full again. Well, by then, 30, 35 pounds have been put on because of, you know, depression and everything else. And then you start running into that cycle again. And then ended up doing it again later. Started working really hard, getting up to where I wanted to be. Started dropping the weight, started doing great. And I get my la- my foot stuck in a ladder and break all five metacarsals. So okay. boom, there I am out again. You know, and then all of a sudden by the time, I'm able to run again from that. I'm 310 pounds. It's, you know, yeah. and then, you know, kind of the, that cycle just keeps, and I keep making the mistake of, Hey, okay, I'm injured. I need to step back my, my diet. Cause I'm not doing the same work I was. I need to, you know, find another way to do my cardio and, you know, still do workouts. I can still do pushups. I can still do stuff like that. I just can't put weight on that foot. But for me, it was like, Oh, well it's done. Yeah. And it's really hard to change that mindset. I try really hard. I I still, even knowing this and with my profession, I still have, honestly, I, um, I'm supposed to be, I'm dressed. The reason I'm wearing my Tough Mudder shirt, my Tough Mudder, I was dressed for the gym. I am, I can't, there's nothing that in me to make myself go today, but I have said it. So instead of saying, okay, well, I'm not going today. I'm out. I just rebooked for tomorrow. I set my new Mm -hmm. time tomorrow. So so I go to a gym that has classes and that's at yep. set times. Okay, so I'm missing class tonight. I will do the noon class tomorrow. Sure, I'm just pushing it like 12, 13, 14, 15 hours. I'm still doing it. But you're still doing it. And that's where a lot of people get that. Like, you know, it's the same thing that happens with diets where all of a sudden they break the cycle and they eat something they shouldn't or they don't do the workout today. Well, I'm done now. I, I just failed. Yeah. No, you just, you had a setback reevaluate, move on, you know, and then that's the biggest thing. And I, it's, I say that, but I'm one of the most guilty ones of it. Cause you know, something goes wrong and I'm like, Oh, we all are. I mean, I'm feeling guilty about not going to the gym tonight, but I realized that my back is bothering me. I don't want to cause a setback. 
I did, yeah. I'm still, I have to remember, I'm only two and a bit weeks post World's Toughest Mudder. I'm actually doing DECA strong and DECA mile and DECA strong on Saturday. So I'm doing back-to-back -back Spartan things on Saturday. I don't need, you know, I need those rest. I need to give myself a break sometimes. That's the hardest is giving ourselves a break. Saying it's okay it to not be perfect. It's not, you don't have to be 100% successful. Yeah. Being 75% successful is fine too. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, because we put so much into doing it, that we feel guilty when we suddenly, oh, if we don't do it, we're not, we're not pushing ourselves. And you see that a lot where people are like, oh, you need to be pushing yourself every day. It's like, no, 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 no. Because if you don't give yourself that rest day, and that was my mistake. I made that mistake when I was, when I lost the weight. I mean, yeah, I lost a hundred pounds in nine months. Um, which even my doctor was like, let's talk about how you did this to make sure that, you know, yeah, that you're healthy. That is a lot. Yeah. It is a lot. It's a lot and really fast, but I, I did actually, you know, talk to my doctor. This was my plan. That's how I did it. And they're like, okay, that's actually, it was okay. It was and I, extreme. I remember watching your journey too. And I was like, yeah, that's actually the good, I was watching you on that because I thought it was interesting to see. And I actually, you, I'll be honest, I used you as an example at times for some oh. of my clients. <laughs> Just like, you know, this part, like I saw the, how you were motivating yourself and sometimes needed extra motivators. And you've reached mm -hmm. out to get those motivators. And I think that's really important. And that's a key takeaway that uh, that's what I took from your journey was sometimes you need to get somebody to push you sometimes. You do. And, you do. And sometimes you need that other two where I had like, you know, I had those people that were pushing me, but then I had people like, you know, my, you know, my good friend, coach B Salise, who was telling me, Hey, slow down, back up a little bit, take a day off. Mm -hmm. And that was my hardest thing. Once I got into that rhythm, I mean, I was hitting for what over two years straight. I hit a hundred miles every month of running. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it was like last September when I crashed on the Ironman and my knee was messed up and everything else. And all of a sudden it's like, I realized then like I had more injuries than I thought I had. I was just ignoring them. Yeah. You know, you I have an injury. In my, I had an injury in my calf that I'm still dealing with, you know, a year later, even though I've tried to, you know, work it out, do everything else. And I'm still dealing with it. And it's like, okay, I think that was a lot worse than I thought. And I think I compounded it because I just kept, going and saying oh it's fine it'll work its way out and with our that calves works. a lot of people don't realize and i've i dealt with a calf injury and that's actually been my ongoing race issue and that actually contributes to my anxiety during a race when is my calf going to go and that is actually mm -hmm. what caused part of a very poor, a small portion but a portion of why i took as long of a break as i did in wells to have a smutter as i was afraid of my calf going but it actually is a lot of it comes from hamstrings and my hamstring is actually the cause of my calf issues. It's the insertion point of my hamstring and the calf that causes problems. And a lot of people miss that. I, it happened to be uh, Brianne Showman. She's a physiotherapist who's also into obstacle course racing and kind of known in the industry. I reached out to her. Um, she was doing virtual challenges in 2020 and I asked her, you know, I said, you're a physio. Can you help me deal with this? You know, I just did your challenge and this hurt. And she had me realize it was actually my, I, keep pulling my hamstring and doing anything uphill so anyway that's... that makes a lot of sense actually because that's me when I'm going uphill is when it's the worst so and it's one of those things and I know I mean I know historically I have very tight hamstrings I've mm -hmm. always no matter how much stretching I do like me touching my toes good luck yeah. not gonna happen you know I've I know I say that and there's somebody right now listening going <laughs> well I'm like, I know I know but and I've done this, I've done stretch, I've stretched. I mean, I was even in martial arts as a teenager for 
like seven years and still even then i mean i could get to where i could touch them but to like grab underneath them anything like that good luck i just yeah, my not, have always been tight so then what Brianne showed me as well, that's because of my low back is tight and it's all, everything's connected. Mm -hmm. So a calf and ankle problem can actually be because of your back or for me in my accident, I severed glute med. And so then my glutes aren't working properly. And so that causes my hamstrings to overwork, which causes my calf to spasm. So it's all a cycle. And sometimes mm -hmm. it's that if we're, when we're struggling, it's finding where is it actually coming from? And that's a hard one too, letting yourself heal like in the right place. That can also and see be that, tricky. One thing for me is I know for me, a lot of it's my glutes and my hams. Mm -hmm. um, and the hard problem that I have is what really helps is a good massage. But most massage places, unless you go to like a sports massage or stuff like that, don't touch you there. Well, I actually like, just was almost late for this meeting today because I just came from a massage appointment and she broke. This is also why I'm not going to the gym is yeah my low back was tight and she was in the glutes and I'm like, I don't I don't want to ruin that by going to the gym but um I will also say I travel my race travel partner Genevieve who's with me at most races she's a sports massage therapist for the Canadian um Paralympic Paralympic team and she so she travels with me so she can fix she fixed me during the races it's great That's to awesome. have a, I have a personal massage therapist it feels sometimes it's great uh, that would be good because for me, like when I was down in, in Washington, now I live in, in Houston, um, I finally found one that would massage, you know, and it's one of those things that's really weird. And I've told people that's like when you're getting a massage, it's like, okay, I don't want this to sound at all sexual in any way, but touch my butt. <laughs> yeah. Massage my glutes. This has nothing to do with anything. I'm a runner. My glutes are tight. They hurt massage my butt you know and it's just weird because a lot of places like if you go to some of the whatever the the weird the 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 little the like relaxed ones yes or, yeah they don't touch you it's like i've been to ones where they like flat out say oh in our policies we don't touch where the the you know pretty much where your bathing suit would be and i'm like i'm not telling you to touch that i want you to <laughs> massage my bum you know <laughs> well in canada i think it's a little different we have there are a few relaxation like spa massage places, but because we have free healthcare for the medical, like the doctors and things, mm -hmm. um, our employer health policies cover massage therapy and physical therapy. So we all find registered massage therapists, which are the people who went to school to fix people. In Canada, yes. it's considered a therapy and glute work is proven, especially for people like me and you with, you know, back issues, hip issues, runners, yeah. we, we need that in there. It's part of it. So it, it's helpful. I think that is a little bit of a difference I've noticed. So it is, it's one of those things. I think what it is, is down here for a lot of times for me, it's like, you can get like those sports ones as a, but a lot of medical insurances don't cover them. So you end up paying, you know, which I pay for normal massages, but normally like for a good sports massage place, it's yeah. going to be upwards of 200 bucks a session. We have to, we can only get the sports or like therapeutic ones covered. We have to pay a lot for the relaxing ones. So that's a little bit of a difference I've noticed, but I have gotten decent massages in the U S yeah, I, <laughs> yeah. I don't want the relaxing ones. I want the, the, you know, for me, it's like deep tissue and pretty much lower back down. I mean, my shoulders and my upper body a little bit, but for me, it's mainly lower back, lower back and glutes are the two main issues. Um, calves a little bit. 
whenever they massage my feet, they get weird because my left foot is not right. But because <laughs> that's the one that I broke. I broke all five right. metacarsals. And even when they're massaging, I've had a couple of be like, what's wrong with your foot? And that's probably causing some of your other issues mm-hmm. on the other leg. Yeah. Yeah. Because that was one of the big things. They told me I would never push off of that foot. In fact, I was told after I broke it that running would be a would be almost an impossibility because of the 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 way it broke. They're like, you'll never push off with that left foot. I'm like, okay. Well, I did a marathon in four thirty nine after that. So there you go. Wow, that's a great time too. It it was it was downhill. <laughs> okay. I had gravity helping me out. That's good too. But I find gravity going downhill can sometimes be worse. So. Well, it's hard on the knees, but this one was, it's just enough of a grade because Dawn's done that one with me. Um, the first time I did it, it was almost eight hours. Where is it? Because I should go try that. I've never done a marathon. It's, it's Snoqualmie, Snoqualmie Pass. Okay. Um, It's called the Tunnel Marathon. It's amazing. They open up registration, I think in January, it's in June. Okay. But so, I mean, it's not far from UBC. It's probably a three hour drive down to yeah. Snoqualmie Pass. It starts at the top at Hayek which is the top of Snoqualmie Pass. You run, they call it the tunnel marathon because you run, it's like a three mile long tunnel. Oh, okay. So you start with a headlamp so you can run because there's no lights in the tunnel. Oh. And you run all the way through the tunnel. And then after the tunnel, there's a little spot you can dump everything off and then down the hill you go. Yes, that sounds great. But it's just enough of a grade that because I have bad knees, my knees are shot. Um, coming down the hill, my knees never hurt. Okay. But my by the time I finished, my quads were on fire because it was enough of a downhill that my quads felt it, but my knees didn't. But yeah, it's considered one of the, it's a Boston qualifier. So a lot of people go to it because they can get the downhill, they can get faster. Okay, fun. Sounds like a good one. Yeah, it's a good one. It's, and it's all, it's not paved. It's tra- it's trail, but it's a like eight foot wide trail. Okay. So it's dirt-ish. So no, it's a good one. Okay. Really good one. Watch, yeah. So we kind of gone off on tangents, which is what <laughs> yes. I do anyway. Well, everyone who, anyone who listens knows that I go on my weird tangents occasionally. Um, but it's really good talking about, you know, the, the mental health and the, the, you know, the physical health and all that. Um, world's toughest. Yeah. I know this meant a lot to you. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> For it was a lot one of the I... same reason that it meant a lot to me, but yeah. Well, I actually came up on my Facebook memories. Let me see. I just sent it to my group, actually. Uh, it was, I think it was yesterday. I was trying to say it was yesterday or the day before. It was yesterday. Yesterday is the day in 2019, I officially registered for World's Toughest Mutter to do in 2020 because it was going to be my 40th. Mm-hmm. And I registered with my friends because uh, it was also going to be her 40th. So we agreed, we're registering, we're doing 40 for our 40th. And then of course, 2020 happens. Mm-hmm. And so it got canceled. So we registered in 2019 for 2020. And, and then yeah, it ha- then the following year, for whatever reasons, I, um, 2021, we still, Canadians still couldn't go to the US. So we still couldn't go. Yeah. And then last year, I, I can't remember why I couldn't go. It was something to do with the location. The location was just too expensive and complicated for me to get to from Canada. So, and then my friend couldn't go either. So now then, as well, as you know, but the listeners probably don't, my friend, Charity Fick, who I signed up with passed in at the end of May of this year, suddenly. Mm -hmm. And so, 
yeah, we had been planning to go together. Now, the thing was, we had drifted apart through the pandemic due to multiple things. We saw each other. We did um, one challenge together as much as we could. We did see each other on our respective 40th, but, and then a couple of times since, but, you know, life happens and things happen. And yeah, and so we hadn't seen each other for a while, but I was still going. We still, the last time we spoke, we were still going even though she had been dealing with an injury. Um, I doubted, honestly, I doubted she would was going to be able to make it, but like to go due to stuff that was going on in her life. But, you know, so I was able to go this year and I made sure, even though I really, 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 really wanted to quit at 30 miles, I had to get to the 40 because I had promised her and, you know, I had to make, I made an agreement and, no matter what I was dealing with, I, yeah, I had to get to the 40. So, yeah. Well, a lot of listeners would know, I mean, they, they would know charity. Charity was another one of the hosts for, for a time. Um, she was one of the Canadian hosts. Um, cause I was me and charity had also talked cause I was supposed to join you for that for yeah. 2020. I she was supposed to join you. So, um, which is, you know, that's so what made she, this year so special to me. Yeah. She, and I, like, it's interesting. So many people knew her online. I didn't know her online. I knew her in real life, like, you know, in yeah. person. So I didn't know the person that, you know, as your co-host that you talked to is different. I do feel like we knew kind of different people. Oh, yeah. And it's kind of interesting to get to hear that now, like, you know, how many people, and I, I couldn't make it in person for her memorial because I live about five hours away now. So and I, it was, there was actually, and I had um, just lost my grandfather and I just gotten back from my grandfather's funeral. And then actually in Charity's daughter's grandmother, like her Charity's ex-mother-in-law passed two days after Charity did. So in that, and um, I'm good friends with Charity's ex-sister-in-law is one of my close friends. So I was there mm -hmm. for them. And so it was a lot of loss and I just couldn't make it for her more, but I did log in online and you know, watched it virtually, and it was, uh, yeah, it was interesting to see how many of us we were trying. There's a lot of technical issues, but a lot of us were trying to log in and be there, and made me realize that she had still, even though she and I had drifted apart, because again, we didn't have an online relationship; we had an in-person one. Mm -hmm. And it was interesting to see that, yeah, how many people were thinking about her, and there, and yeah, it's. I mean, she was, you know, it's one of those things. I mean, some of the listeners know this and some don't. I never wanted to do a Tough Mudder. I mean, if you listen to earlier episodes of this before I did one, I'm like, no, I'm never doing a Tough Mudder. I'm I not said the same. Shocked. Electric shock is the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. Why would I want to do a race where they're going to shock me? Yep. I said the exact same thing. Yep. Well, you can guess who the person is who convinced me to do one. It was Charity. So, yep. and the very first one I did was in Seattle and she was there. And we did it together. Um, so we've got pictures of us doing that together and all sorts of stuff. And I got to, you know, I talked to her online, you know, we'd met at a couple other things before, but it was the first time I really got to spend an entire race with her. Um, and I knew what an amazing person she was just from meeting her online and meeting her a couple of times, but spending that entire race, talking with her, racing with her seeing the, the smile on her face and just having so much fun that 
was what I was so looking forward to with World's Toughest, you know, in 2020 was hours and hours of that, you know, yeah. with, with all of us. Mm -hmm. And then. I mean, she's, I did my first with her too. Well, we started together. We didn't stick together because I'm a competitive person and I did tougher. So, but we started and we hung out, you know, before and after. And then the next day we did the shorter one together. And yeah. I, well, see, and I was supposed to do the shorter one, Whistler. but somehow we missed the turn. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah. We, 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 yeah, I went to like make the 5k turn and Charity's like, what are you doing? I'm like, well, <laughs> I'm the 5k. And she's like, whatever, no, come not. on, let's go. She, no, you're not. She's like, yeah. you're with me. You're fine. I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah. 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 She always yeah. like, she liked to push people. Mm -hmm. This, Yeah. And get but people. Yeah. I was say she pushed him in the best way. Yeah. She, yeah. Uh, and she, well, she's the one who introduced me to Genevieve, my travel companion. Well, and, you know, I have another, a couple other travel companions like Richards and Stephanie, but I've had others. But yeah, Charity introduced me to a lot of them. Like, majority I met through her and the people I met in that, the Canadian Mud Queens and um, the Advanced City OCR. And it, when it was back at its beginning, not beginning, mm -hmm. but the, yeah, when I started, so yeah, she was active in those. It, she brought people together. So. She did. She really did. I mean, she had just one of those. Uh, she was like the sun. She just had this gravitational pull that pulled everyone into her, and just yeah. What was interesting is in person, she was very shy, very quiet, mm -hmm. and very sometimes a little distant. You know, it was sometimes hard to get to know her. But I'm one of those people, I'm very pushy. So <laughs> I made her hang out with me, essentially, in the same, you know. And yeah, a few people have commented how quiet she was and how distant at times. But that means, like, the other piece was she was going through things and she did distance herself from people. Um, she had a lot of, you know, anxiety and things going on, as we all do. Yeah. But, you know, some it impacts us differently. And yeah, I know that's... over the last few years and her last few years in particular, it really got her there's a lot happening in her life and there's and yeah yeah there, there was hard to remain connected so it did and i think that was the hardest thing for me was because and it, it was both of us i mean it was kind of one of those things towards the end i mean we kind of drifted apart we talked a little bit you know it was like a month or so before that just randomly talked um online about something and i can't remember what but we just talked and then all of a sudden it was like you know when i got the news it's just like Oh, and it sounds bad to say, but that one hit me harder than any of them. Hmm. I've had a lot of like, you know, unfortunately during COVID and during everything else. And I mean, I have a lot of older family members and even those didn't hit me as hard as when I got the news about her. Mm -hmm. So it was for me, it was more shocking. It was, I'm going to actually shocking isn't the word. I wasn't shocked which may not be what people want to know, but I wasn't incredibly surprised. I was, you know, yeah. of course we were, but at the same time, um, yeah, I knew, I, I had seen her in person a couple of times, again, because hanging out with her ex-sister-in-law, uh, she lives across the street. So I saw her um, just, you know, being at my friend's house, you could see her try to connect, but I knew there was a lot happening. Yeah. And that's why it's kind of, that's kind of, I guess my message is check in with people when they start distancing themselves, because you don't know, I mean, I knew, 
and I, and I guess I have guilt that I knew what was going on, at least in part, and didn't push harder. I thought she'd get through it herself. And I thought she might have people closer to her than I was who could help more than they did. Or not more than they did, but maybe they weren't aware either. I mean, I just, I guess you, you can't rely on other people always to help every people. But at the same time, you have to worry about your own health too. And if you're helping everybody, how can you help yourself? And so you get caught in this cycle of how do I help this person? But can I help this person? Should I? How do I help me? How do, and that that's the key. Mm -hmm. I mean, it and it's not that she, yeah, there, and there was a lot going on with her that impacted her overall health. So, it's, oh, yeah. I mean, it was sad, but yeah. yeah, it was. Yeah. But that is what, you know, made me get up at 5 a.m. in World's Toughest Mother and get out two more laps before it ended, even though I, again, really wanted to quit. I did not want to be there. So, I get that. I, it, was, it was a tough one. I mean, because it was one of those things I, I mean, you know, listeners know I did it with Marla um, and we carried the, 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 the wheelchair through the whole thing that's, and we got 30. Yeah. That's yeah. That's so, a lot. And we're like, what, just over two and a half weeks out after and my feet are still racked. Yeah. <laughs> one of the things I've been hitting the gym, like almost every day for the last week and a half, but it's been the, the pool. Right. Just swimming yeah. because I'm, my feet, I'm like, yeah, there's not a whole lot I'm going to do on my feet. Yeah, I couldn't imagine helping somebody else. I want to. I'd love to help get someone through. Actually, yeah, and I, it was interesting that you, it was Marla that you were helping because I was pit the last time I was at World's Toughest Matter. This is my first time participating, but I was pit crew in 2018. I think it was 2018. Yeah, um, for Genevieve. And part of the same sharing the pit was Marla's son. Um, so I helped pit for, for her son at one point. I helped yeah. him out. Um, but yeah. also, but also part of that group and I, and Marla, I know actually did a race and memorial for Tim. Tim was part of <clears throat> Tim Leary who passed only a few days before world's toughest matter too. He was part of that group that last time I was at a world's toughest matter event. So it's funny how small, I guess the community is, but that mm -hmm. I was Tim and Marla's, why can't I remember Marla's son's name right now? That's the weirdest thing. I didn't mean him, so I'm not sure what his name was. Okay. Um, but yeah, that, that I pitted, I was helping with the pit crew for them. And yeah. that is pretty amazing. It's, it is amazing sometimes how small, like you said, the community is where all of a sudden you'll meet someone and they're like, oh, I know so and so. And you're like, oh, wow. You know, or it was, I've had a couple of times where I'll have a picture with someone at a race and I get like somebody else going, how do you know them? And I'm like, yeah. what are you talking about? They, I race with them. Um, one of them that's funny is one of the people I race with all the time, Andrea. She was actually the coach of my niece's daughter's soccer team. Oh. So wow. I had a picture of her and she, you know, I, was, I get a message from my niece. How, how, how do you know Andrea? And I'm like, I race with her. She's like, that's my daughter's like soccer coach. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, weird. Yeah. Yeah. So Actually, Marla's son's name is Brad. I just got to remember that. Now. <laughs> yeah. So it is a small community. And I mean, that's one of the things I think that's why when something like this happens, when like, especially when it's one of our, not just part of the like whole community, but within our like small circle community mm -hmm. that it hurts so much. Cause I mean, most of us, we push so hard to be physically strong and everything else. And we forget that sometimes, you know, it's kind of like the more hard than scars. We always talk about it's the invisible scars. It's the ones that we're not seeing. It's the ones that, you know, we don't know. I mean, looking at you, I wouldn't know that you've broken your back or broken your hip and that you've had these, you know, 
what most people would consider catastrophic injuries. But yet you're out there and people see that. And then they, all of a sudden, you know, you do something they're like, oh, well, why is she doing that? She should keep going. And it's like, you don't know what's underneath that skin. You don't know what invisible scars that we all carry, what invisible health issues. I mean, most people don't know unless they talk to me and listen to, I have asthma. I carry an inhaler, you know? So that's why a lot of times my biggest issue a lot of times is breathing. You know, I'll be doing something and I start losing my breath and I start, that's why I've been pushing so hard on the triathlons and the swimming because that's where I lose my breath all the time. And that's the one place I can't use the inhaler. Yeah, I have been in, yeah, you take an inhaler on course with me too. But yeah, yeah and for me, it honestly, most of my races, my limiting factor is nearly, I can push through most physical things, but it's the mental health is what gets me a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. It's funny, um, Seattle, Tough Mudder, I did infinity. I went in, I'd done the uh, Spartan races the weekend before I sprained my ankle like my, a very mild sprain, but still enough that I was kind of limping a little bit. I also, the dust of that Seattle Spartan, the, it was, it was rough and I ended up with a sinus infection. So I went into tough mutter infinity with a mildly sprained ankle and a sinus infection. I was like, well, I'm just going to go to, I, I originally, I had planned to try and get contender status. I'm like, I'm just showing up because I paid. That's yeah. it. You know, I'll see what I can do. And I ended up meeting up meet just meeting a random person on course that I ended up doing laps with and we just walked through it like kept a nice steady pace helped each other out I ended up getting my 40 kilometers and contender status and came in second but the thing was my mental health I had no pressure on myself I didn't care how I did mm-hmm. I was just there having made a new buddy had fun chatting getting to know actually that my first lap I met a woman who was we had a blast and we got stung by wasps, but you know, we got through it and it was fine. And yeah. And I just made new friends chatting with new friends, didn't even pay attention to what I was doing in terms of, you know, other than, Oh, we should probably hurry here to make sure we can get out for one more lap because I'm only 5k short of contender status might as well, you know, no pressure felt fine. So then it's, it's, I find that when I go into a race, not caring how I do and just out to have fun. That's when I do well. Every time I've ended up on a podium, it has been because I don't care. (laughs) And I just get out there and have fun with it and just go without stopping to think, without overanalyzing every obstacle, without overanalyzing my pace. I just go with it. And I can see that I, I've, I've done the, you know, I've never podiumed, but you know, usually the race I do the best where I'm just out there having fun. And I mean, I don't care. Um, the only ones like where I actually had like the best times though, like mm-hmm. finished the fastest was the ones where I really pushed. But those were during 2021 when everything was opening back up and I was 180 pounds and I'm like, woo, you know, and I was going to try and do a sprint in less than an hour. Unfortunately in Canada, we didn't have any races in 2021. Yeah, I managed the, yeah. a couple. I went to the States, I think towards the end, but yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. We got a couple but- in 2021, but it was weird because there was nothing. You could show up 30 minutes before your time. And as soon as you finish, they handed you your medal and your, your t-shirt and get out. Yeah. So there was none of the normal hoopla and the festival. And you're like, this is just weird. We got our, actually, we did have two, we did have them at the end of 2021. Now that I think about it, we, yeah, in September and October, I did those. That was it. Cause I did the Vegas ones as a competitive. I ran competitive for the, the Vegas ones and I got, um, I was so mad at myself. One hour and 30 seconds. Oh, that's frustrating. I, I, I missed <laughs> I missed the spare throw for the first time in four years. Oh, wow. 
because I was rushing and I didn't do my, and it sounds stupid, but I had my little ritual that I always did. And I didn't do the ritual. I just picked the thing up and threw it. And the second I th- it locked my hand, I'm like, that wasn't right. You know, and I had to do the burpees and doing the, if I hadn't had to stop and do those burpees, you would have, wow. I would have had less than an hour, but then I, you know, but like you said, once you start rushing it, that's when you do things you shouldn't, you know, when you're just having fun and enjoying it, that's when things just kind of come to you. So, yep, exactly. and that's what this should all be about. And I think that's where partly for me, I lost it for a little bit. I started getting into the mindset of everything was competitive. And then yeah. I stopped, you know, especially 2021 where there was nothing else to do. There was none of the the friends and family and everything else. It was just, you got there, you ran your race, you left. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and it was just, I got more into the competitive and everything like that. And I lost the joy. I did too at one point. And that's, yeah, actually coming back in 2022, I was trying to be competitive and yeah, I lot, I just lost that interest and the men, the mental game got me. Yeah. It's yeah. In even with, Oh, sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. I was say 2022 for me was just a grind. It really was. It was a grind. This year has been a nice reset because of the move and everything else. I didn't, I did my CC race. I did Ragnar and my first Spartan was until Dallas. Okay. I made, um, a change in last year. So 2022, I made a shift. I, I still did some competitive and I still tried to, but I realized like I was trying to do sprints and supers and at, at a competitive and I used to in 2018. Yeah, that was my thing. I was fast. I was decent. At, I was okay at the obstacles. It was fine. I, in, I was heading in 2022, I was heading to Montana to do the beast. And I was dreading it. I'm like, why am I going driving all the way 14 hours to Montana for something that I don't want to do? Like, I don't want to be here. I have no interest in doing a beast because I'm going to have to run. And I don't like running up hills. I'm going to be trying to win. I'm not going to win because I hate hills and everyone else is better at hills. I mean, that's what's all going through my head. So I saw on in our the beasts group chat that Ted and a few others, uh, Ryan Berger, were talking about doing the ultra. And I was like, hmm, well, I know Ted's just recovering from an injury. Ryan's had a couple injuries too. I wonder if it would be okay for me to walk the ultra with them. That sounds far more enjoyable than doing a beast. Hmm. And I'd always said I'd never do an ultra. But I was like, you know what? I'm going to do the ultra. And so I, we, I made my friend speed a little so that we could make it because we were driving I was just barely made the cutoff for check-in for the ultra. I had Ted's, Ted, I messaged him. We're on the phone. He stalled so that he stalled the volunteer so that I could register and get my packet. And I ended up meeting another beast member, Ray. And she's been now my ultra buddy for a couple. And we met just chatting the night before, made a plan to meet at the start line just to say hi. And, you know, cause I was planning on going with Ted and Ryan, but I was also afraid of holding them back. Ray and I just started chatting as the race started and turns out we were the same pace. And I just, we stuck together for the whole time. I had a blast, you know, get, again, getting to know a new friend. We just chatted for 12 and a half hours and got each other through all we did. And we had at one point, we almost didn't make a time cut off. So we, for we made it we basically took hand held hands and dragged each other alternated dragging each other through to make the time cut off and but it was that mental piece I was dreading going and then after that I'm like well you know what I don't have to run I don't have to win I need to I enjoy being out there it wasn't the race itself 
it was the pressures I was putting on myself mm -hmm. that made it hard. And so ever since then, I've now started, I always said I'd never do World's Toughest. I'd signed up, but I never would do an ultra. I'd never do infinity. I'd never do all these things. And here I've done them all. And now I prefer that longer distance. I'd rather just power walk my way through something long with a friend, chat, enjoy my time. And I did that with a friend um, for the Kelowna Ultra, not this year, but the year before, and ended up on age group, um, second in my age group, third for non-elite women, including open women, you know, just walking through. We, we ran a bit, but at that point, we were, my shape, I'd gotten a bit better shape, but I stayed in a good mind frame when I was starting to struggle. My friend and I sang to each other, you know, yeah. it's just, it's, that's the important part is finding what's going to keep you happy. Yes. And not doing it because you have to. So I keep beating myself up about world's toughest mutter. I was on pace to get 55 miles, which would have put me in the top five for my age group. If I had kept going, I could have done, I could have pushed through, but I was on my mile finishing mile 30. I was crying. They, I had, they interviewed me just before uh, Everest, the tough mutter people. And I was in the mm -hmm. promotional video or I was in the video played at the brunch. They cut out a lot of my words to make it, which kind of bothers me, but I was crying. And they're like, so what is your goal? I said 50, but I've changed my goal. I can, I'm not doing 50 anymore. They're like, oh, why is that? I'm like, because I'm really struggling emotionally and I don't want to keep pushing myself for a goal that maybe I can achieve, but I'm not interested in right now. I'm really just trying to get my head in the game and get my head there. And I've changed my goal to 40. And then I think I can manage that. I think I can handle 40 now. They're like, where are you? I'm at 30. Okay, well, you have, you have another 12 hours. I'm sure you could probably get your 50. Yeah, no, I really have no interest in doing that right now. So that's when I took it just over seven hours, perhaps eight hours, seven and a half hour nap. <laughs> we'll call it a nap. Really, I went to bed for the night. But Which sometimes you need that. And I, I mean needed that... to. I had spent the last two hours crying. Why did I want to be out there in that mindset where I'm hating everything? Why? I don't need to win. And I still have guilt. Like I could have done well. Did I need to though? Why? I came out of it physically. Okay. Because I didn't push myself as hard and emotionally. Okay. Other than the guilt of that weird competitive that I have and can't get out of saying, well, you might have been able to podium. Well, do I care? Did I need to, I didn't go into it with that goal. So mm -hmm. why does it matter that I could have, I did what I could do and what I could handle. And you did the best you could. You did what you could handle. And I mean, the thing is, is sometimes it isn't the mileage. It isn't the the, the place that matters. It's where you came out of it mentally as well. Yeah. Because sometimes, I mean, I've had those races where I push myself and like, Ooh, and then when I finish, I'm actually worse mentally because of how bad I had to beat myself to get there, yeah. you know? And sometimes, you know, where you had to leave, you know, friend or you had to do this. It's like, no. And I mean, I, and I'm one of those ones. I don't, I don't like leaving people. If I start with someone, I'm finished with you. I don't care how, what your pace is, anything like that. We're going together. Um, and you know, that was one of the things that I, I had lost along the way. Cause I wasn't doing it with people anymore. I was running by myself and just going for speed. And I'm like, I lost the whole reason I did this. And then it was really, I think the, the two races with Marley, even though, I mean, some people know some don't we we dnf the the b or the ultra in, in dallas because we just couldn't we, with this wheelchair and everything else we just it was okay. it was problems but um 
even that race, even with the DNF and then doing world's toughest and getting, seeing Marla get that 25 adaptive bib and how emotional and how much that was to her. I'm like, none of this was about me. Yeah. When I made it about her and now all of a sudden my whole perspective switched back to where it should be of, for me, it's not about the podium. It's about making sure other people are having fun about that's where I get my joy is seeing the look on her face when all of a sudden what she never thought she could get, she has, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, and that's, that was one of the, these two races because I was done. I mean, some of those, there's now some for my, my attitude and everything else for probably the last year i was done with all this yeah you know with racing i mean i was going to do my triathlons and a few other little things but i was done with spartan i was done with tough mudder i was done with all of it because i didn't take the joy anymore it didn't i didn't love it anymore it wasn't me um but doing this with more heart than scars and marla it changed my mind and i mean when i had the option when all of a sudden it was said hey do you want to do world's toughest there was never a doubt in my mind the second they asked me because it's like, okay, I mean, you saw me, I had the picture. It's like, I'm doing this and Charity's going with me, you know, because that was something that I was, the only reason I was going to do it in the first place, I never even thought of it until she sent me the message one day and said, hey, you want to join us for this? Yeah, she convinced me to do it too. And that's the only reason I, yeah, as I said that, when I said I changed my goal to 40, and the, re- the reason was, yeah, I, I had to get at least 40. I had to fulfill my promise. So it's mm-hmm. me. I learned that I do need a motivator. I need something to make me reach my goals. And then because I, uh, yeah, if I, we all do. yeah, we all do. We need a motivator and that knowing that I had made a promise, I had to make, I had to keep my promise. So yes. that got me through. And honestly, my last two laps, I was happy. I was mm-hmm. with friends each lap and I, yeah, I actually was able to enjoy my time. That also because my last lap, I had enough bracelets. I was with a friend who was my Genevieve. She was my pit crew, but she was um, also a runner. But she did the first lap with me and the last lap with me was her goal. And she volunteered the rest of the time in the orphan tent. And she did another lap with me too. But um, I said, well, you, you don't have a band. You didn't get over 30 miles. So, but I know I can't make that grappler. I know I'm not going to do it. And that penalty is the worst penalty. It was a kilometer and then a third of it through a swamp. And anyway, she made grappler so I could hand over my bracelet and didn't have to do it. That made a huge difference. Some of those little, sometimes it's the little things too, not having to do one of the awful penalties, you know, that just gets your brain back in the game. It just, Mm -hmm. oh, maybe I I can finish this. (laughs) The the penalties for this year was way worse than any other year from what I heard. That's what I've heard. Yeah. And I, I mean, cause I've never done it before. This is my first world's toughest. So, I mean, for me, it was just normal, but everyone's like, yeah, no, this is a lot worse than normal, but yeah, it was mine too. My first two, but um, yeah, I was tracking on my GPS and each lap was between 12 and 13 kilometers. There was supposed to be eight again. I'm Canadian. So I'm in kilometers, but so I was looking at instead of five miles, we were looking at seven to eight miles per lap. Yeah. And that's what I get here from a lot of people, seven to eight miles per lap because of the, I, the penalties. Mostly the grappler penalty and the hanging tough once you got to having to do that one or the hanging, hanging tips, sorry, hanging tips. Um, that penalty was rough. I got it. Yeah, I was struggling with that obstacle for some reason. I shouldn't have. That's one I can normally do. No, not today. They're not last yeah. the weekend. But the penalties were tricky. The penalties were tricky. Well, I think part of what it was too is like by the time they opened up some of those like, you know, Funky Monkey, some of those other ones, 
it was 10, 11 o'clock at night. So most of everyone's been running for 10, 11 hours. They probably have four or five, you know, laps in. They've been doing all the others. They're tired now. Okay, now do some of the hardest hanging obstacles. That's what happened to me. I Even though I was careful not to burn out, I still, when I got to them, I when they finally opened, I was, yeah, I was on lap. Like my first three laps were in less than an hour and a half each. So I got through a bunch without having many obstacles. <laughs> oh, now I have to do this and I'm tired already. Yeah. Not too tired, luckily, but yeah. That's one thing I would say if I, if, cause I'm, I'm debating on whether I want to go back next year, either with the team and do what I did this year, or I've been really contemplating just being an athlete and just running it, you know, and seeing what I can do. Um, I did learn really quick that you go do as many laps as you can early yeah. because that's going to get you, because that way the mo more you can get early before they open some of the harder obstacles, the better off you're going to be. And I was told not to do that because you'll burn out. But I really, for me, I needed to do that because obstacles in Spartan, I can run a clean race. In Tough Mudder, I'm not as familiar with the obstacles. I, I mean, okay, clean race other than spear throw. I never make spear throw. I need to learn your technique. I've made it maybe one in 10. But in Tough Mudder, it's a bit of, it's different. They're, they're a different type of challenge. So yeah. I, yeah, so I needed to do that, even though I was being coached not to try and run too fast at the beginning. No, if it, if I had been slower, I would have definitely done even less because of the obstacles, yeah. but the penalties. <laughs> yeah. And like I said, I think from what, you know, what I learned from it for me, at least me personally, it would be get as many laps as you can before they open the harder obstacles, because then, yep. yeah, you'll be a little bit more burnt out by the time they open them, but you already have, you All know, right, those extra bands. miles. Yeah. The bands and the extra miles under your belt. Yeah. So, but no, nah. live and learn. I, yeah, I learned also uh, keep your bands till the last lap and skip all the penalties. <laughs> yeah. That was a great one. That yeah, my last was... lap was that was that was great. Having yeah. to being able to finish on a high note, do the obstacles I could do, you know, get and honestly the best feeling other than the handing my band for the grappler was not doing the barbed wire crawl again either. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the the other one that the the um Operation don't stand in the puddle when other people are doing it. Mm, I, I, I'm too afraid of electricity to do that one. Yeah. If you stand in the puddle, even if the person next to you hits the side and they get shocked, you, so do you. Yeah. I've heard even that. If you're not hitting the side. So I've heard that. Yeah. So, well, anyway. we're, we're coming up on the hour mark that Dawn usually tries to keep me at. Um, <laughs> it's been amazing talking to you. Is me there anything too. you'd want to say to the listeners in closing? No, just uh, to anyone out there listening, you're probably people who already do obstacle races, but I suggest, I do recommend trying one higher than you think you can do. Just try it and walk it. You don't have to win it. You don't have to do the best at it. And then, and you might find something that you really love, but also yeah. message me if you need a discount code. <laughs> I'm an ambassador and I have discount codes. Um, yeah. Send me a message or somebody can post a code, but and any ambassador can share their code too. All right. Well, I'll make sure we get that out there. Mm -hmm. There's so. some great deals on ultras. So, not just not um, through ambassadors online. Please, I highly recommend trying an ultra. I, I know a lot of people think it's ridiculous and hard, but I actually enjoy it far more than a beast. Yeah. Now I've done, I've finished one. I did Dallas two years ago and that's actually where I met my training partner that I have uh, here in uh, uh, Conroe. Um, I, I met her at the Dallas race. 
So, and she's now my, she's my suffer sister who whoops my ass every weekend. So <laughs> she's we're all, way better shape than me. And we're all stronger than we think we are. That's yeah. the key to take. And maybe not emotionally. And like, I'm a lot weaker emotionally than I thought I was, honestly, at times. Or than at I admit times. to me, not than I thought, actually, and then I'll admit. And my we mental health gets me and we all, we all go through it. That's why trying hard things, something a step above what you're used to and what you feel you can do can really actually it, it can help change your mindset and help kind of free you out of that competitive yeah. sometimes it's not about winning it's about being out there and enjoying the scenery enjoying the people around you and chatting with that person your walk they keep you keep passing back and forth every few minutes talk to that person join them mm -hmm. in a race I've met some of my good really close friends doing that on races so yeah so have I and that, that's what's amazing is when you just meet random people mm -hmm. So, all right. Well, thank you for, thank you. for joining me. Um, we'll definitely have to have you on again soon. And I, I hope to see you out there again soon. I will. I hope so too. All right. Okay. We'll all talk right. to you later. Talk to you later. Good night. Thanks for listening to the BeastNet podcast. If you haven't done it yet, find us on Facebook, like, and share the podcast. Give us a review on iTunes or Spotify. All these things will help to expand the show in the future. Don't forget to subscribe and let us know what you think and what you'd like to hear. Yeah.